Welcome back to Twelfth Night, the radio show. We left off last episode in quite the pickle. Our lovely Viola's been tossing and turning, head over heels for Orsino, but she's in disguise as Orsino's dashing assistant, Cesario. Talk about a forbidden office romance. Orsino's hired her to woo the fair Olivia, who wants nothing to do with Orsino. But she's not at all opposed to Cesario hanging around. And on top of that, the mischievous Sir Toby, Sir Andrew, Fabian, and Mariah have concocted quite the scheme to mortify Melvolio, Olivia's insufferable butler. Our scene opens on Sir Toby, Sir Andrew, and Fabian in Olivia's stately home. Sir Andrew's got some interesting information to share. No faith, I'll not stay a jot longer. Thy reason, dear Venom, give thy reason. You must need yield your reason, Sir Andrew. Mary, I saw your niece do more favors to the Count's serving man than ever she bestowed upon me. I saw it in the orchard. Did she see thee the while, old boy? Tell me that. As plain as I see you now. This was a great argument of love in her toward you. Slight, will you make an ass of me? I will prove a legitimate, sir, upon the oaths of judgment and reason. She did show favor to the youth in your sight, only to exasperate you, to awake your dormant valor, to put fire in your heart and rinse them in your liver. This was looked for at your hand, and this was balked. The double guilt of this opportunity you let time wash off, and you are now sailed into the north of my lady's opinion, where you will hang like an icicle on a Dutchman's beard. Unless you do redeem it by some laudable attempt either of valor or policy. And it be any way, it must be with valor, for policy I hate. Why then build me thy fortunes upon the basis of valor. Challenge me the Count's youth to fight with him. Hurt him in eleven places, my niece shall take note of it, and assure thyself. There is no love broker in the world can more prevail in man's commendation with women than report of valor. There is no way but this, Sir Andrew. Will either of you bear me a challenge to him? Go. Write it in a martial hand. Be cursed and brief. It is no matter how witty, so it be eloquent and fun of invention. Taunt him with the license of ink. Let there be gall enough in thy ink, though thou write with a goose pen. No matter. About it. Where shall I find you? We'll call thee at the cubiculo. Go. Sir Andrew hurries away to write the letter. Uh, <laughs> this is a dear minigan to you, Sir Toby. I have been dear to him, lad, some 2,000 strong or so. Oh, we shall have a rare letter from him. But you'll not deliver it. Never trust me, then. I think oxen and wain ropes cannot hail them together. For Andrew, if he were opened and you find so much blood in his liver as will clog the foot of a flea, I'll eat the rest of the anatomy. And his opposite, the youth, versing his visage no great presage of cruelty. Mariah, Olivia's maid, rushes in, doubling over with laughter. <laughs> Look where the youngest run of mine comes. If you desire the spleen and will laugh yourself into stitches, follow me. Yond Gull Malvolio has turned heathen, a very renegado. For there is no person that means to be saved by believing rightly can ever believe such impossible passages of grossness. He's in yellow stockings. <laughs> And cross-garter. Oh, most villainously like a pedant that keeps a school in the church. I have dogged him like his murderer. He does obey every point of the letter that I dropped to betray him. He does smile his face into many lines. Oh, you have never seen such a thing as tis. 
I can hardly forbear hurling things at him. I know my lady will strike him. If she do, he'll smile and take it for a great favor. Come, bring us, bring us where he is. Sebastian and his companion, Antonio, have just arrived in Illyria. Sebastian is feasting his eyes on the thrilling scenery. Illyria's got everything. A church, a grocery store, and cookie-cutter houses painted the same color. Beige. I would not by my will have troubled you, but since you make a pleasure of your pains, I will no further chide you. I could not stay behind you. My desire, more sharp than filed steel, did spur me forth. And not all love to see you, though so much as might have drawn one to a longer voyage, but jealousy what might befall your travel, being skillless in these parts, which to a stranger unguided and unfriended often prove rough and unhospitable. My willing love, the rather by these arguments of fear, set forth in your pursuit. <laughs> My kind Antonio, I can no other answer make but thanks and thanks, and ever oft good turns are shuffled off with such incurrent pay. But were my worth as is my conscience firm, you should find better dealing. What's to do? Shall we go see the relics of this town? Tomorrow, sir. Best first go see your lodging. I am not weary, and tis long tonight. I pray you, let us satisfy our eyes with the memorials and the things of fame that do renown this city. Would you pardon me? I do not without danger walk these streets. Once in a sea fight against the Count his galleys, I did some service of such note indeed that were I tain here it would scarce be answered. But like you slew great number of his people? The offense is not of such a bloody nature, albeit the quality of the time and quarrel might well have given us bloody argument. It might have since been answered in repaying what we took from them, which for traffic's sake most of our city did. Only myself stood out, for which, if I be lapsed in this place, I shall pay dear. Do not then walk too open. It doth not fit me. Hold, sir, here's my purse. In the south suburbs at the Elephant is best to lodge. I will bespeak our diet whilst you beguile the time and feed your knowledge with viewing of the town. There shall you have me. Why I your purse? Well, happily your eye shall light upon some toy you have desired to purchase. And your store, I think, is not for idle markets, <laughs> sir. I'll be your purse-bearer and leave you for an hour. To the elephant. I do remember. An unsettled Olivia paces around her garden, taking her anxieties out on one unfortunate petunia. A gleeful Mariah stands by her. I have sent after him. He says he'll come. How shall I feast him? What bestow of him? For youth is bought more oft than begged or borrowed. I speak too loud. Where is Malvolio? He is sad and civil and suits well for a servant with my fortunes. Where is Malvolio? He's coming, madam, but in very strange manner. He is sure possessed, madam. Why? What's the matter? Does he rave? No, madam, he does nothing but smile. Your ladyship were best to have some guard about you if he come, for sure the man's tainted in his wits. Go call him hither. Mariah rushes off to find Malvolio, trying her darndest to hide a laugh. I am as mad as he, if sad and merry madness equal be. Mariah returns with Malvolio, who is acting very strange indeed. 
He swaggers into Olivia's garden dressed in hideous yellow and black striped stockings, with his suspenders crossed over his chest like a badge of honor. What a fashion faux pas! Malvolio thinks he's looking quite dapper, though. He's grinning like all get-out. How now, Malvolio? Sweet lady. Smilest thou? I sent for thee upon a sad occasion. Sad, lady? I I could be sad this does make some obstruction in the blood this cross-gartering. But what of that? If it please the eye of one, it is with me as the very true sonnet is. Please one, please all. Uh, why, how dost thou, man? What is the matter with thee? It did come to his hands and command shall be executed. I think we do know the sweet Roman hand. Malvolio, still smiling his heart out, blows wet, slobbery kisses to the horrified Olivia. Wilt thou go to bed, Malvolio? To bed? My sweetheart, and I'll come to thee. God comfort thee. Why dost thou smile so and kiss thy hand so oft? How do you, Malvolio? At your request, yes, Nightingale's answer does. Why appear you with this ridiculous boldness before my lady? Be not afraid of greatness, all twas well writ. What meanst thou by that, Malvolio? Some are born great. Some achieve greatness. What sayest thou? And some have greatness a thrust upon them. Heaven restore thee. Remember who commended thy yellow stockings. Thy yellow stockings? And wish to see thee cross-gartered. Cross-gartered? Go to, thou art made if thou desirest to be so. Am I made? If not, let me see thee a servant still. Why, this is very midsummer madness. An attendant scuttles into Olivia's garden. Madam, the young gentleman of the Count Orsino's is returned. I could hardly entreat him back. He attends your ladyship's pleasure. I'll come to him. The attendant catches sight of Malvolio (coughs) and races away. Good Mariah, let this fellow be looked to. Where's my cousin Toby? Let some of my people have a special care of him. I would not have him miscarry for the half of my dowry. Olivia strides away angrily. Mariah follows, giggling. Oh, huh? Oh, do you come near me now? No worse man than Sir Toby to look to me. This concurs directly with the letter. She sends him on purpose that I may appear stubborn to him, for she incites me to that in the letter. Oh, cast thy humble sloth, says she. Be opposite with a kinsman, surly with servants, and consequently sets down the manner how, as a sad face, a reverend carriage, a slow tongue, in the habit of some sir of note, and so forth. I have limed her. Oh, but it is Jove's doing, and Jove make me thankful. Oh, when she went away now, let this fellow be looked to. Oh, fellow. <laughs> Not Malvolio, nor after my degree, but fellow. Oh, what can be said? 
Nothing that can me can come between me and the full prospect of my hopes. Oh, Joe, not I is the doer of this, and he is to be thanked. Mariah, Sir Toby, and Fabian enter the garden to meet Malvolio, feigning a great deal of concern for his sanity. They know the truth about the letter. Mariah wrote it herself, but they're going to treat him like a madman. They hope that Olivia, believing Malvolio has lost his marbles, will kick him off her estate. That'll teach him a lesson for acting so pompous. Which way is he in the name of sanctity? If all the devils of hell be drawn in little, and Legion himself possessed him, yet I'll speak to him. Here he is! Here he is! Uh, how is it with you, sir? How is it with you, man? Oh, go off. I discard you. Let me enjoy my private. Go off. Lo, how hollow the fiend speaks within him. Did not I tell you, Sir Toby, my lady, prays you to have a care of him? Uh-huh. Does she so? Go to, go to, peace, peace. We must deal gently with him. Let me alone. How do you, Malvolio? How is't with you? Huh. What man defy the devil? Consider, he's an enemy to mankind. Do you know what you say? Bog, you when you speak ill of the devil, how he takes it at heart. Pray God he be not bewitched. Carry his water to the wise woman. Marry, and it shall be done tomorrow morning if I live. My lady would not lose him for more than I'll say. How now, mistress? Oh, Lord. Prithee, hold thy peace. This is not the way. Do you not see you move him? Let me alone with him. No way but gentleness. Gently, gently. The fiend is rough, and will not be roughly used. Why, how now, my barcock? How dost thou chuck? Sir. I bid thee come with me. <clears throat> what, man? Tis not for gravity to play at cherry pit with Satan. Hang him, foul collier. Get him to say his prayers, good Sir Toby. Get him to pray. My prayers, minx. No, I warrant you, he will not hear of godliness. Oh, go hang yourselves all. You are idle, shallow things. I am not of your element. You shall know more hereafter. <gasps> Malvolio makes his exit, swishing his coattails behind him like an aristocrat. What <laughs> 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 is possible? Oh, if this were played up on a stage now, I could condemn it as an improbable fiction. His very genius hath taken the infection of the device, man. Nay, pursue him now, lest the device take air and taint. Why, we shall make him mad, indeed. Ah, uh, the house will be the quieter. Come, we'll have him in a dark room and bound. My niece is already in the belief that he's mad. We may carry it thus. Prompt us to have mercy on him, at which time we will bring the device to the bar and crown thee for a finder of madmen. But see, but see! Sir Andrew rushes in, waving the letter he's written to Cesario. Ooh, more matter for a May morning. Here's the challenge. Read it. Warrant there's vinegar and pepper in it. It's so saucy. Aye, is it? I warrant him. Do but read. Give me. <clears throat> Youth, whatsoever thou art, thou art but a scurvy fellow. Good and valiant. Wonder not, nor admire not in thy mind why I do call thee so, for I will show thee no reason for it. A good note that keeps you from the law of the law. Thou comest to the Lady Olivia, and in my sight she uses thee kindly. But thou liest in thy throat, that is not the matter I challenge thee for. Very brief, and to exceeding good sense, 
less. I will waylay thee going home, where if it be thy chance to kill me... Good. Thou killest me like a rogue and a villain. Still, you keep on the windy side of law. Good. Fare thee well, and God have mercy on one of our souls. He may have mercy upon mine, but my hope is better, and so look to thyself. Thy friend, as thou usest him, and thy sworn enemy, Andrew Aguecheek. If this letter move him not, his legs cannot. I'll give it him. You may have very fit occasion for it. He is now in some commerce with my lady and will by and by depart. Go, Sir Andrew. Scout me for him at the corner of the orchard like a bum bailey. So soon as ever thou seest him, draw. And as thou draw, swear horrible, for it comes to pass oft that a terrible oath, with a swaggering accent sharply twanged off, gives manhood more approbation than ever proof itself would have earned him. Away! Nay, let me alone for swearing. Sir Andrew leaves the letter with Sir Toby. Now will I not deliver his letter, for the behavior of the young gentleman gives him out to be of good capacity and breeding. His employment between his lord and my niece confirms no less. Therefore, this letter, being so excellently ignorant, will breed no terror in the youth. He will find it comes from a clodpole. But, sir, I will deliver his challenge by word of mouth. Set upon Aguecheek a notable report of valor, and drive the gentleman, as I know his youth will aptly receive it, into a most hideous opinion of his rage, skill, fury, and impetuosity. This will so fright them both that they will kill one another by the look like cockatrices. The lovesick Olivia follows Viola, who is still disguised as the handsome Cesario, into the garden. Here he comes with your knees. Give them way till he take leave and presently after him. I will meditate the while upon some horrid message for a challenge. Sir Toby, Fabian, and Mariah scurry away. I have said too much unto a heart of stone and laid mine honor too unchary out. There's something in me that reproves my fault, but such a headstrong, potent fault it is that it but mocks reproof. With the same behavior that your passion bears goes on my master's grief. Olivia flirtatiously hands Cesario a locket with her picture inside. Here, wear this jewel for me. Tis my picture. <laughs> Refuse it not, it hath no tongue to vex you. And I beseech you, come again tomorrow. What shall you ask of me that I'll deny that honor saved may upon asking give? Nothing but this, your true love for my master. How with mine honor may I give him that which I have given to you? I will acquit you. Well, come again tomorrow. Fare thee well, a fiend like thee might bear my soul to hell. <sighs> Olivia wistfully takes her leave. Sir Toby and Fabian enter the garden and greet Cesario with a challenge. Gentlemen, God save thee! And you, sir? That defense thou hast, but take thee to it. Of what nature the wrongs are thou hast done him, I know not. But thy interceptor, full of despite, bloody as the hunter, attends thee at the orchard end. Dismount thy tuck, be yare in thy preparation, for thy assailant is quick, skillful, and deadly. You mistake, sir. I am sure that no man hath any quarrel to me. My remembrance is very free and clear from any image of offense done to any man. Oh, you'll find it otherwise, I assure you. Therefore, if you hold your life at any price, but take you to your guard. For your opposite hath in him what youth, strength, skill, and wrath can furnish man withal. I pray you, sir, what is he? He is knight, dubbed with unhatched rapier and on carpet consideration. But he is a devil in a private brawl. Souls and bodies hath he divorced three 
Oh. And his incensement at this moment is so implacable that satisfaction can be none but by pangs of death and sepulcher. Hobnob is his word. Give it or take it. I am no fighter. I have heard of some kind of men that put quarrels purposely on others to taste their valor. Be like this a man of that quirk. Sir, no! His indignation derives itself out of a very competent injury. Therefore, get you on and give him his desire. Back you shall not to the house unless you undertake that with me which with as much safety as you might answer him. Therefore, on or strip your sword stark naked. For metal you must, that's certain, or forswear to wear iron about you. This is as uncivil as strange. I beseech you, do me this courteous office as to know of the knight what my offense to him is. It is something of my negligence, nothing of my purpose. I will do so. Signor Fabian, stay you by this gentleman till my return. Sir Toby strides away in search of Sir Andrew. Pray you, sir, do you know of this matter? I know the knight is incensed against you, even to a moral abridgment, but nothing of the circumstance more. I beseech you, what manner of man is he? Nothing of that wonderful promise, to rid him by his form as you are like to find him in the proof of his valor. Will you walk towards him? I will make your peace with him, if I can. I shall be much bound to you for it. I am one that had rather go with Sir Priest than Sir Knight. I care not who knows so much of my mettle. Viola anxiously awaits Sir Andrew's arrival. Sir Toby limps into the courtyard, feigning an injury at the hands of Cesario to frighten Sir Andrew. It's quite the show. Oh, ah, why, man, he's a very devil! I have not seen such a farrago. I had a pass with him. Rapier, scabbard, and all, and he gives me the stuck in with such a mortal motion that it is inevitable. Oh. And on the answer, he pays you as surely as your feet hit the ground they step on. They say he has been fencer to the Sophie. Pox on it, I'll not meddle with him. Aye, but he will not now be pacified. Fabian can scarce hold him yonder. Plague on it. I thought he had been valiant and so cunning in fence. Let him let the matter slip, and I'll give him my car. Grey Capulet. I'll make the motion. Stand here, make a good show on it. This shall end without the perdition of souls. Sir Andrew, shaking in his boots, tosses Sir Toby his car keys as quickly as he can. He hopes Cesario will take the car and forget the duel. Little does he know, Sir Toby has every intention of keeping the car for himself. Mary, I'll ride your car as well as I ride you. Sir Toby returns to the garden, followed by a terrified Sir Andrew. Fabian. I have his car to take up the quarrel. I have persuaded him the youth's a devil. He is horribly conceited of him, and pants and looks pale, as if a bear were his heels. There's no remedy, sir. He will fight with you for oath's sake. Mary, he hath better bethought him of his quarrel, and he finds that now scarce to be worth talking of. Therefore draw, for the supportance of his vow he protests he will not hurt you. Pray God defend me. A little thing would make me tell them how much I lack of a man. Give ground if you see him furious. Come, Sir Andrew, there's no remedy. This gentleman will, for honor's sake, have one bout with you. He cannot by the duello avoid it. But he has promised me, as he is a gentleman and a soldier, he will not hurt you. Come on, to it! Pray God he keep his oath. I do assure you, tis against my will. Round one. Viola raises her fists, waiting for Sir Andrew to throw the first punch. Sir Andrew is just standing there. They circle one another. No one has thrown a punch. Sir Andrew pulls back a shaky hand. Will he go for a right hook? An uppercut? 
No, he doesn't throw a punch at all. Oh, and we have a new fighter in the ring. It looks like it's... Antonio? Put up your sword. If this young gentleman have done offense, I take the fault on me. If you offend him, I for him defy you. You, sir! Why, what are you? One, sir, that for his love dares yet do more than you have heard him brag to you he will. Nay, if you be an undertaker, I am for you. <laughs> Round two. Sir Toby rushes at Antonio, who ducks just in time for Toby to careen into a nearby bush. Toby rebounds quickly, turning for a jab at Antonio. He's getting ready for a strong right crossover when... Wait, wait, Antonio is hurling his body at Toby. He's got his full body weight behind him. And down Toby goes. Antonio might win this, folks. But wait, Toby has freed himself and is now going for Antonio's... Ear? Toby is unstoppable. It's a knockdown. He's got Antonio pinned to the ground and it's pulling his fist back for the winning punch when... Two officers rush into Olivia's garden. Oh, good sir, Toby, hold! Here comes the officers! I'll be with you anon. Pray, sir, put up your sword if you please. Mary will I, sir. Oh, and for that I promised you I'll be as good as my word. He will bear you easily and reigns well. Mm, this is the man. Do thy office. Antonio, I arrest thee at the suit of Count Orsino. <clears throat> you do mistake me, sir. No, sir, no jot. I know your favor well, though now you have no sea cap on your head. Take him away. He knows I know him well. I must obey. Antonio turns, embarrassed, to Viola. This comes with seeking you. Me? But there's no remedy. I shall answer it. What will you do now my necessity makes me to ask you for my purse? It grieves me much more for what I cannot do for you than what befalls myself. You stand amazed, but be of comfort. Come, sir, away. I must entreat of you some of that money. What money, sir? For the fair kindness you have showed me here, and part being prompted by your present trouble, out of my lean and low ability I'll lend you something. My having is not much. I'll make division of my present with you. Hold, here's half my coffer. Will you deny me now? Is possible that my deserts to you can lack persuasion? Do not tempt my misery, lest it make me so unsound a man as to upbraid you with those kindnesses that I have done for you. I know of none, nor know I you by voice or any feature. I hate ingratitude more in a man than lying, vainness, babbling drunkenness, or any taint of vice whose strong corruption inhabits our frail blood. Oh, heavens themselves! Come, sir, I pray you go. Let me speak a little. This youth that you see here, I snatched one half out of the jaws of death, relieved him with such sanctity of love, and to his image, which methought did promise most venerable worth, did I devotion. And what's that to us? The time goes by, away. But oh, how vile and idle proves this god thou hast, Sebastian, done good feature shame. In nature, there's no blemish but the mind. None can be called deformed but the unkind. Virtue is beauty, but ooh, the beauteous evil are empty trunks or florist by the devil. The man grows mad. Away with him. Come, come, sir. Lead me on. The officers guide a handcuffed Antonio out of the garden and into a waiting patrol car. Methink his words do from such passion fly that... He believes himself. So do not I. 
Prove true, imagination, oh, prove true that I, dear brother, be not taken for you. Come hither, knight, come hither, Fabian. We'll whisper o'er a couplet or two of the most sage saws. He named Sebastian. I, my brother, know, yet living in my glass, even such and so in favor was my brother. And he went still, in this fashion, color, ornament, for him I imitate. Oh, if it prove true, tempests are kind and railways fresh in love. Viola practically skips out of the garden, filled with hope that her brother might still be alive. A very dishonest, paltry boy, and more a coward than a hare. His dishonesty appears in leaving his friend here in necessity and denying him. And for his cowardship, ask Fabian. A coward. A most devout coward. Religious in it. Slid. I'll after him again and beat him. Do. Cuff him soundly, but never draw thy sword. And I do not. Come, let's see the event. I dare lay any money, twill be nothing yet. Meanwhile, in front of Olivia's house, our comedian Festy has finally lost his temper. Sebastian, Viola's lost brother, can't seem to rid himself of the pesky clown, but Festy is determined that this man is the Cesario he's looking for. Looks like Antonio isn't the only one to confuse these remarkably identical fraternal twins. Will you make me believe that I am not sent for you? Go to, go to, thou art a foolish fellow, let me be clear of thee. Well held out of faith. No, I do not know you, nor I am not sent to you by my lady to bid you come speak with her. Nor your name is not Master Cesario, nor this is not my nose neither. Nothing that is so is so. I prithee, vent thy folly somewhere else. Thou knowst not me. Vent my folly? He has heard that word of some great man and now applies it to a fool. Vent my... <sighs> I prithee now. Ungird thy strangeness, and tell me what I shall vent to my lady. Shall I vent to her that thou art coming? I prithee, foolish Greek, depart from me. There's money for thee. If you tarry longer, I shall give worse payment. But, uh, by my troth, thou hast an open hand. Oh, these wise men that give fools money get themselves a good report. After fourteen years' purchase. Sir Andrew stomps onto the lawn in pursuit of Sebastian. Sir Toby and Fabian repress giggles while following behind. Now, sir, have I met you again? There's for you! Uh. Round three. Sir Andrew strikes Sebastian, who uh. reels back in shock, but he quickly recovers and advances towards a terrified Sir Andrew. Why, there's for thee! Uh. And there! Uh. And there! Uh. Are all the people mad? Things are really getting interesting now, folks. And it looks like Sir Toby has joined the fight. He rushes at Sebastian, who ugh, lands a solid hit to the gut. But wait, Sir Toby has managed to pick Sebastian's pocket. Now he's holding Sebastian's pocket knife. Hold, sir, or I'll throw your dagger or the house. Distracted by Sir Toby, Sebastian doesn't notice Sir Andrew creeping up behind him. And Sir Andrew pins him down. But Sebastian's not giving up easily, and during the scuffle he manages to overpower Sir Andrew. This will I tell my lady straight. I would not be in some of your coats for two cents. As Festy runs into the house to warn Olivia of the fight, Sir Toby opens the pocket knife and points it at Sebastian. Oh. With Sebastian now threatened by Sir Toby and Sir Andrew now threatened by Sebastian, it seems our three fighters have reached a deadlock. Come on, sir. Hold. Nay, let him alone. 
I'll go another way to work with him. I'll have an action of battery against him if there be any law in Illyria. Though I struck him first, yet it's no matter for that. Let go thy hand. Come, sir, I will not let you go. Come, my young soldier, put up your iron. You are well fleshed. Come on. I will be free from thee. What wouldst thou know? If thou darest tempt me further, draw thy sword. What? What? Nay, then I must have an ounce or two of this malapert blood from you. Olivia rushes out of the house to find Sebastian, who she believes is her beloved Cesario, being held at knife point by her uncle, Sir Toby. Hold, Toby, on thy life I charge thee, hold! Madam! Will it be ever thus? Ungracious wretch, fit for the mountains and the barbarous caves where manners ne'er were preached, out of my sight! Be not offended, dear Cesario, Rudesby be gone! Sir Toby closes the pocket knife, and Sebastian releases the still terrified Sir Andrew. Sir Toby, Sir Andrew, and Fabian return to the house, leaving Olivia and Sebastian alone. I prithee, gentle friend, let thy fair wisdom, not thy passion, sway in this uncivil and unjust extent against thy peace. Go with me to my house, and hear thou there how many fruitless pranks this ruffian hath botched up, that thou thereby mayst smile at this. Thou shalt not choose but to go, do not deny. Beshrew his soul for me, he started one poor heart of mine in thee. What relish is in this? How runs the stream? Or I am mad, or else this is a dream. Let fancy still my sense and lethe steep. If it be thus to dream, still let me sleep. Nay, come, I prithee. Would thou be ruled by me? Madam, I will. Oh, say so, and so be. Talk about an action-packed day in Illyria. Unfortunately for Sir Toby and Fabian, their little plan to get Cesario and Sir Andrew to fight went belly up when they mistook Sebastian for the person they were looking for. And it looks like the gorgeous Olivia has made the same mistake. Will she continue to pursue Sebastian? Will Sebastian realize Olivia actually wants to marry his sister? Will Viola finally be discovered? Or will her disguise as Cesario last another day? Find out on the next episode of Twelfth Night, the radio show. The lovely voices you heard today were those of Shannon Hughes, Bob Lynch, Alexandra Figueroa, Grace Handicus, Ryder Sadler, C.T. Cordero, Ingrid Kenyon, Mia Shaker, Wolf Wheatley, Lex Schwartzman, Casey Brenneman, Autumn Rout, and Will Clemens. Sound designed by Arian Crocker, with original theme music by Michael McNulty. Twelfth Night was directed by Avery Erskine, with assistance from Charlie Moose and Tanaka Mubavaridwa. This radio program was made possible by the Miller Art Scholars Program, WTJU, and William Shakespeare. For more information on this production's cast and crew, visit shakespeareonthelawn.org. This is Molly Rose Smith, speaking. Speaking.